Maybe you have been taking a train in a passport lineup. How about getting on a jet airplane? Amid ongoing travel woes across the country, passengers at the Edmonton International Airport are bracing for turbulence. We're uh, expecting the worst, hoping for the best. We're here usually like earlier than we would normally get here because we don't want to like risk any delays. On top of ongoing staffing shortages, now more than 700 WestJet workers at Calgary and Vancouver airports have voted to strike and could walk off the job as early as July 27th if a deal isn't reached. Their union says wages are the key issue, with no increases to the pay scale in five years. Global's Kim Smith. Just what we need. Have you had success over the last few months taking a jet airplane? Or maybe even one with propellers? Or has it really been an adventure? Send me a note. 877-399-9898. Please talk. You can text us at 877-399-9898. Share with me your story. It can be a successful one because I think that may be more news than the unsuccessful ones. Carl Moore is with us. He's an airline industry analyst, professor at McGill University. Carl Moore, good to have you with us. My pleasure. Have you been on a jet airplane lately? Uh, a few weeks ago. I'm going to, our family's is going to Mexico City, all being well, from Montreal on Sunday. And we hope. Okay, there, that's what I was waiting for. Uh, help us understand what's going on with WestJet right now, because I look at the wages that they're earning now and thinking in the inflationary environment that they're reliv- living in, um, they probably have good cause uh, to be saying, we want more. It's a very fair point. When you look at the airline industry, there's some people like the CEO and senior executives and very experienced pilots that make very good money, and they probably should. But you look at flight attendants, baggage handlers, security people at the airport, which are employed by the federal government, and people work for the airport, it's more of a mixed story. And the number of flight attendants during the pandemic, uh, it was about 90% of the people were let go. And that's understandable because there was almost no flights. And they re- realized they could do better in a time of shortage of people across Canada making money than being a flight attendant. And there's, it's a certain part of it. You know, I'm going to Tokyo this week and I'll go there in two weeks and I'll go again. But at a certain point, you get tired of being up all night, of serving very demanding people, that's you and I, and not making a lot of money. And if there's companies looking for you to pay you more money, you get to be home with your family every night. That becomes appealing for a lot of people, and it did, and it is, and we have shortages. And I think the pandemic, not just in airlines, but everywhere, has allowed people, has forced people to reevaluate their lives and what they want to do in their lives. And, you know, as the Canadian press reported with one um, airport worker um, oh, by the name of Cheryl Robinson, an Air Canada customer service agent at Halifax Airport, she says, I've had customers poke me in the chest and say, you're not going to get me off this flight. 
I've seen my colleagues in tears walking away because they just can't deal with another person yelling at them today. And I understand our frustration, but boy, do I understand um, frontline workers in all disciplines when it comes to dealing with what they have had to deal with in the last two and a half years and now in airports from coast to coast to coast. Well, huge lineups in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, particularly. Just horror stories talking to people. I interviewed the uh, Minister of Economy for Luxembourg in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, about 10 days ago. And some of those people are saying they flew from Luxembourg, which has no direct flights to Canada, to uh, Germany, and flights were canceled. So they flew through Heathrow, and it was just horror story after horror story about lost luggage, about waiting for hours. Someone today I was walking with said he spent four hours in Amsterdam airport and he just made his flight and he walked over three kilometers to get there within the airport. It just, you know, like we haven't seen this before and you and I are rightly upset when we get there and we should treat them well, but just some people scream. Like if someone poked me in the chest, I'm a large man. I would poke them back and say, if you ever touch me again, you will regret it. And that's probably the wrong thing to say, but you know, that would just, that would push me. And if you touch a woman, that's just wrong. And this, you know, it's something where, you know, like just calm down. These people have got to talk to person after person after person, but it's hard when you've been waiting for hours to have that sense of empathy for the other person. Carl Moore is with us, airline industry analyst, professor at McGill University. Let's spend a few minutes and then we'll break and spend a few more minutes on kind of explaining what's wrong with the system here. As I read it, we did not take planes because of pandemic. Airline industry, people were laid off, people quit. Suddenly there's this demand to start flying. Airline industry believes it can get back up and running. Pilots need to get recertified. Other people have been either, you know, working somewhere else, not coming back to the industry. We're selling tickets, but we don't have enough people to run various aspects of the system. Is that a fair assessment of what's going on worldwide? Yes. You know, it's interesting because you see this in Heathrow in Europe, around the world, where the industry, we've never seen this before in aviation history. And, it, you know, it's not that it goes hundreds of years, but it's, I talked to the CEO of IATA, who had been the CEO of Cathay Pacific in the 70s, phoned him up, and he'd never seen anything like this. I talked to a couple of the senior people in their 70s, they'd never seen anything in their lifetime, 9-11 was dwarfed by what we saw. And so what happened, the industry laid huge, 30,000 people in Canada were laid off, and that's not unreasonable. But when it came back, the industry by and large did not come back at the same rate. Part of it is because a bunch of people retired, pilots, flight attendants, baggage handlers. Other ones, not so much pilots because you've trained for years to be a pilot. It's hard to make that kind of money doing anything else. But flight attendants and baggage handlers, people like that, found other jobs. There's a war for talent. And so security guards, 
it's really important. The government hires them and trains them, but they don't make a lot of money. So they could go do other things which are less demanding. And the industry, by and large, worldwide got it wrong in terms of that there's pent up demand. And you know, looking back, this is very predictable. We had two years, and many of us kept our jobs. We had money. We didn't spend it. And we go, we want to travel. It's been two years. Let's go see family. Let's go see parts of the world. Let's just get out on a plane. Huge demand, not enough supply. We see the results of it. My prediction would be, I hope I'm not, you're not recording this, but after Labor Day, demand will be down a lot because people will go back and kids are in school. And by that time, a bunch of these people are being trained by the government and by bag channels and so on will be up to speed. And I suspect that in the fall will be much better, but then Christmas come along and it'll be tough. Um, we got used to things that my wife and I discussed tonight. We may not have any luggage other than carry on. Now I've traveled for years. The only time I take uh, luggage other than carry ons when I'm traveling with 40 students is they will have luggage. We're going to have to wait. I might as well take luggage. But if I go to Europe for a week, I take a backpack and something carry on and Paris does not email London saying he's wearing that red tie again. They just don't care. So my world, we've changed how we're going to live. And my wife decided tonight, contrary to her experience for 30 years, she will not take luggage below because it may never see it again. That's probably getting a bit carried away, but it may happen. The world moves on. Carl Moore is with us, airline industry analyst, professor at McGill University. We'll continue the conversation, and I agree about the carry-on. I think I can do it. Professor Moore can do it. Now his spouse says she's going to do it. Could you do it? Could you fly, not just within Canada, but into Europe for a week on just one carry-on? And also relate your experience. Write me a note. Text us at 877-399-9898. 877-399-9898. I, was, I couldn't fall asleep one night thinking about what I would take on a carry-on to go for a week. And I've also figured out a way to kind of cheat the system on the way home. Stay with us. We'll continue the conversation. I'm Richard, in for Ben. Richard Kluche in for Ben. Great to have you with us. I like the GPS location tracker, the technology. It's a little dial you can put in your bag. And on your cell phone with an app, you can track where your checked bag is and help the airline find it. But I do believe right now, if you have to travel or you want to travel by plane, as much as possible, just do carry on. Carl Moore is with us, airline industry analyst, professor at McGill University. He is uh, so kind to lend us uh, some of his time this evening, getting set to go on vacation like so many of us are. And I know, uh, given gasoline prices, you know, the in some cases, it's uh, cheaper uh, to still hop on a plane with the carry on and hopefully. This will all be worked out towards the end of summer, certainly by Labor Day. Uh, Carl Moore, I actually have thought about this. 
and uh, what is essential in that carry-on bag. You know, it's cosmetics. It's it's your um, it's certainly any medication that you would have. Um, you know, your basics, your underwear, those types of things. Um, and I found myself instead of casually. Uh, wearing casual clothes while I'm on the air. I try to wear a little bit extra simply because, you know, it's not in my bag, that type of thing. But what I will do and what I have done before is that I will pack a second bag within my carry-on luggage because on the way home, uh, they can uh, I'll, I'll buy stuff and they can lose my bag that's checked on the way home knowing that I'm going to get home as opposed to on the way there. that That's one of the strategies that I employ and will continue to employ simply because I have had the experience of losing a bag and it is a nightmare, my friend. Well, I've lost, uh, not I've lost, or Canada, whoever's lost, a few times my bags. But it's different coming home. As you're at home, you have lots of clothes, it all works out, but it's when you're down in Mexico or Hawaii, wherever you don't have the clothes you need, you can go spend the money, but it becomes a bit more expensive. But, you know, if you're in Hawaii or Mexico, you know, shorts and a shirt is, you're not there on business typically. So it makes it a little bit easier. But I travel around the world, Europe, I teach in Iceland, uh, I'm in Pakistan later this year. I will go with a backpack and a carry-on, that's it. But, you know, I was being a bald man because I don't have hair products to worry about or makeup and things like that. <laughs> so, you know, something where, um, and I can go buy things and if I have three or four pairs of underwear, I wash a couple and let them dry overnight. So it's, it's something where you kind of learn to, uh, but it's easier in some context. I was at a wedding in Florida, I had to wear my tux. Well, I'm, I'm not going to wear tux on the plane because people just rightly tease you and give you a hard time and go like, you really don't understand, you're overdressed. So it depends on the context, but I've learned to travel less in order to not have to worry about luggage. I get off a plane and I walk fast. I'm not in business class. I'm, you know, further back. But I am one of the first person off a plane to pick up luggage to get a taxi and I'm downtown well, many of the people on the plane are waiting for their luggage. And I feel an inappropriate pleasure in that. But, but when you come home, it's different because when you come home, you have all your stuff at home and you're irritated that, you know, you have lots of clothes. About a minute left. Is there a role for government in all this right now that they could be a lot more proactive on, behalf, on our behalf? Well, what their thing is that they provide the security people at the airport. And they have some influence over the airports and the airlines, but that's the main thing. It's also that they worry about, and they reinstituted that they will do random testing of people coming from other countries to find out what are the variations of COVID-19. And I, you know, I was randomly chosen a couple times. In the case of Montreal, you go to... Uh, company within the airport. It takes 10 minutes. It's irritating, but it's no big deal. Then you go home and they send, we'll send an email, don't leave the house. And I forgot to do that. I went for a walk, but, you know, got back and the email said, you're fine. So I felt um, less guilt. The government mainly looks after the security people at the airport. That's their big responsibility. I think that's what they can do. That's the main thing. 
Professor, safe flying. Appreciate you popping on with us, and we will chat again. Thanks again. Well, such reason title, outstanding radio personality. Thanks to talk to you.